and thank you for tuning into this week's episode. I, your host, Rebecca Garcia, will provide an analysis of the film Vámonos con Pancho Villa, or translated to English, Let's Go with Pancho Villa. This film was directed by Fernando de Fuentes and released to the public in 1936. Notably, this is the final part of a trilogy that Fuentes advertised as an homage to the bravery of the men who fought alongside the revolutionary forces. De Fuentes opens Vámonos con Pancho Villa with a statement that credits the men for their courage, yet when viewing the film, a different message is communicated. Acceptance and support of the Mexican Revolution depended on the socioeconomic standing of the person delivering the critique. Furthermore, foreign criticism toward the non-elite reflected the economic opportunities Mexico had given them under the governance of Porfirio Diaz. In this episode, I will supply a brief history of Diaz's presidency and the implications, implications it had for the non-elites of the state, summarize the film, and lastly, I will analyze the intentions Fuentes had when releasing the trilogy. Diaz's presidency is credited for modernizing Mexico and demonstrating the power of the state under, quote, correct leadership, end quote. American approval of Mexico during Diaz's presidency was at an all-time high. Diaz's leadership emulated the core values of the United States. For example, during Diaz's leadership, Mexico advanced its infrastructure, made efforts to establish the middle class, and supported foreign businesses. Despite Diaz's background as a poor mestizo from Oaxaca, he became the model that other non-elites should have aspired to become. Diaz was of dark complexion, but he was beyond the world of, quote, ignorant non-elites, end quote, because he had been educated and worked hard to scale the socioeconomic ladder. He was self-made, exactly what the United States idealized. The approval of the United States is interesting, considering Diaz was practically a dictator. However, Diaz did not pose a threat. Instead, the United States was more open to partnering with Mexico because of the new attitude the country adopted. Diaz was undoubtedly influenced by both the United States and European ideology regarding racial hierarchy and racial preference. Con Pancho Villa does not provide any direct background of the events leading up to the Mexican Revolution. The viewer is left to interpret the validity of the non-elite's grievances without there being any apparent blame on the Mexican government. A viewer who has no knowledge of the Mexican Revolution prior to seeing Fuentes' interpretation could be misled into thinking that the war was avoidable. However, Studying the presidency of Porfirio Diaz and the treatment he demonstrated towards the non-elites of Mexico provides more than enough reason for government reform. Because non-elites were not given equal opportunity for political voice, government reform manifested as an armed revolution. Diaz often justified the lack of participation of non-elites in government by saying they were ignorant. According to Diaz, non-elites also had no interest in their government and that was why having a middle class was so important. From 
1887 when he was first elected to 1911 when he went into exile, the lives of the Nanda Beach drastically declined. Diaz prioritized foreign business and seized the land of Nanavids under the pretense that they were mishandling the land. Since Nanavids used the land for personal use instead of profiting from them, Diaz argued that the land could benefit the country by being placed on the market or using it to produce goods for export. Diaz settled opposition by jailing journalists who spoke against his leadership and kept Nanavids at bay by giving them incremental advancements. He relied on and enforced the notion of Pano Palo as a warning for protesters. After years of oppression, revolutionary leaders like Emiliano Zapata and Pancho Villa surfaced. The role of Pancho Villa became relevant in 1910 when he led a people's rebellion against Diaz. Pancho Villa has been villainized by both Mexican and American media. Next, we will move on to Fuentes' interpretation of Diaz's leadership in his film, Vámonos con Pancho Villa. Vámonos con Pancho Villa follows the journey of six men collectively named Los Leones de San Pablo and translates to the lines. The men's names are Rodrigo Perea, Tiburcio Amaya, Melitón Botello, Máximo Perea, Martín Espinosa, and Miguel Ángel del Toro. In the beginning, these men are filled with admiration for Pancho Villa and their goal of regaining the land that was stolen from them under President Diaz's government. The Lions are determined to join the cause and demonstrate their strength and extensive masculinity. In other words, the men are prepared to display authentic male superiority against anyone who may challenge them. Once they have been accepted into the revolutionary force, they are presented with what Fuentes depicts as the truth of the revolution. Each man has a moment of dissatisfaction with the revolution, whether it be the speed of obtaining the goals of the revolution, the hierarchy within the revolutionary forces, or the facade of masculinity. Fuentes argues that the revolution was unnecessary. The lions are also overwhelmingly accepting of death. They sit around and discuss how they would like to be buried and who of the six would be the last one standing. Fuentes again communicates the unnecessary deaths that took place because of the revolution. Soon, all the men involved would be a casualty. The lion's acceptance of this fact also proves to question whether they had faith in the revolution or if their desire to appear masculine kept them in the fight. Portrayal of Pancho Villa in the film is peculiar. The actor who plays the role of Villa is repeatedly represented as using the men in his army as pawns. Only a select few are granted privileges of avoiding the heavy lifting of war and ultimately are the ones to survive. Fuentes calls attention to the nature of power. Even in a cause led by and for the oppressed, there is a hierarchical system that benefits from the work of others. As the six men make their way up the ranks, nothing seems to change between them and the way Via treats them. Via is portrayed as a hothead who is motivated by impulse decisions. As the film progresses, the group of lions becomes smaller. The deaths of the men are only felt by the others in the group. No one else in the revolution mourns them or honors their deaths. 
An example of impulse decisions and toxic masculinity occurs during minute 58 to minute 66. The lions sit at a table with the selective group, but friendly conversation and high spirits quickly turned into an argument about courage. One of Via's men points out that there are 13 men sitting around the same table. Therefore, one of the men would die. This superstition led Via to propose shooting into the sky and whomever the bullet fell on would be the least courageous. As ridiculous as this scene and logic seem, Via was serious. Meleton Boteo ends up being the least courageous and dies. This leaves only Tirbucio, Amaya, and Miguel Angel del Toro as the final two. Fuentes further discredits Villa as a leader because of his decision-making skills. The final death of the group may be the most inhumane. Miguel Angel del Toro communicates his lack of motivation to continue with the revolution. Tirbucio sympathizes with him, but ultimately tells Miguel to keep going in honor of their lost friends. Tiburcio reassures him that there is purpose in the revolution, and Miguel is only feeling the effects of grief. Shortly afterwards, the viewer discovers that Miguel had been infected with a deadly disease. Once the news reaches Villa, his solution is to burn him and his belongings in order to avoid getting anyone else sick. Villa leaves the task of killing Miguel and burning him to Tiburcio. After complying with Villa's instructions, Tiburcio is sent home since he had contact with Miguel. Villa spends no time considering the sacrifices Miguel has made for the revolution and does not seek medical help from him. Instead, Miguel is left to die. Interestingly, earlier in the film, the lions complain that Villa only provides adequate medical attention, food, and luxuries to a chosen few. This difference in treatment reiterates the nature of power and the contradicting role it played in the revolutionary forces. Fuentes implies that there was no one truly on the side of the non-elites. The film ends with Tiburcio walking back home and into the darkness. The ending is rather depressing, despite the message Fuentes was trying to express at the beginning. Considering the date of publication, it is interesting that Fuentes would direct and film a trilogy that discredited the revolution. Approximately 19 years after the Mexican Revolution, Fuentes directed a series of films portraying the revolution. Fuentes' own beliefs about the revolution are a product of his socioeconomic standing and involvement with the Mexican government. Another interesting aspect of Amonos con Pancho Villa is that it is filled with stereotypes about the non-elites. Even though the future of an entire country relied on the outcome of the revolution, Fuentes argues that the men on Villa's side are jokesters that had no real military training. Throughout the film, non-elites are shown as beggars, alcoholics, lazy, and uneducated. Fuentes' decision to include these damaging stereotypes implies his true criticism of the revolution Fuentes pertained to a higher class of Mexico that had not been negatively impacted by Diaz's diplomacy. In fact, Fuentes spent some time in the United States to further his education. His disapproval for the revolution does not reflect the experience of the Mexican non-elites. 
Therefore, his decision to make these films did not have pure intentions. The memories of the revolution were still fresh in the minds of many. One can only imagine how families who lost relatives felt when watching these movies. Fuentes is remembered as a great Mexican director, but for people of his time, his films invoked resentment towards the revolution. In conclusion, Vámonos con Bancho Villa was damaging for the unstable government post-Mexican Revolution. The depiction Fuentes provides of Villa and the non-elites is one that is expected from outsiders. The outsider's perspective is not a realistic account of history. Villa's reconstructed and stabilized Mexico after various years of instability and debt in the country. The appeal Diaz had was due to his support of foreign business and repayment of debt. Other initiatives he had proposed to improve the lives of non-elites, such as accessible education, were overshadowed by the establishment of railroads and efficient mailing services. Diaz's main objective was to lead Mexico into a modern Eurocentric state. Diaz created larger divisions between the socioeconomic classes in Mexico and essentially left the non-elites to fend for themselves. Consequently, Fuentes' retelling of history has similar characteristics to Diaz's principles. Questioning the value of the revolution and villainizing Villa was a common occurrence among the elites. They have seen significant gains from Diaz's policies, and people like Villa were coming between them. Fuentes only gives one account of the revolution. In order to understand any historical event, one must consider all sides of the story. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode and discussing the film Vamanos con Pachovia.